0: Welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. Well, I've had an interesting day. So as I was telling Shudi, I had um I was really excited because um, you know, I had gotten this word that I felt like that the Holy Spirit wanted to bring to me. But then as I kept studying. I kept feeling like he was taking me on um, kind of another journey. So just so you can be in my head a little bit, um, you know, like I was really wanting to bring like this great, like encouragement and like exciting encouragement. And I kept feeling this other thing. And so I went to Tisa and I'm like, Tisa, I'm just having this feeling And I just can't seem, I can't seem to shake it. And she said, well, um, did you know that correction is the encouragement? And I was like, oh, well, yes, it is. That is true. But, you know, one thing that I was talking to her about is, you know, I remember um, whenever I was always so afraid of doing something wrong or not doing it good enough or messing up or whatever. And it would be hard to even want to come to present something because I wouldn't want to be wrong. And, um, you know, since I know that my calling is in the prophetic and I'm a seer, and so, you know, that combination of gifts – I have to be under a covering like I have to have it. I I know that I have to have it. I feel safe under a covering, you know, and it took me it took me a minute to get there. But I discovered the peace of being under a covering is so much greater than any fear of messing it up or being looked at away or whatever, you know, it really, I began to actually find safety under that. And so, um, you know, as soon as I was able to talk to her about it, of course, I had peace about it. And I was like, oh, see, that's just what I needed. Like, we need each other. We We need each other. We need each other's oversight and help. Um, You know, I love that we can't smell our own breath, and so it is with life. You know, we just can't always see stuff. And so I really just say that I love that oversight. And so I don't know where you are on that scale. If you're on the side that I first talked about, that you're afraid to talk about things because you don't want to you know, appear away, or you don't want to be wrong, or whatever. I just want to encourage you that if you begin to change your mind, that you can either have something on the back end or the front end. So, on the if you do it on the front end, then you've got that covering and you've got that um, input. If you do it on the back end well, then you're probably going to have a mess to clean up or whatever else. And, you know, then the things you actually become afraid of, those are the things you have to end up confronting in yourself. And so, you know, all that to say, um, I think if we're going to really step into greater things and, you know, we all got to We got to really love the part of connecting with other people and allowing them to help us and, um, love just that oversight of accountability. And, um, you know, I think that, um, you know, coming from a place where I personally had, um, just a low self-esteem and then just feeling, um, insecure, then, you know, a lot of, um, a lot of weight would get put on if I did things well, or if I didn't do things well. And so, you know, the only way to really get true healing for that is confront that thing in you. And so all that to say, if you're one of those that struggles with, um, getting help or getting, um, oversight or getting input, like, really just begin to work with the Holy Spirit and say, what is the thing that I'm actually really afraid of? You know, a lot of times it's our own thing that we're just, we're seeing ourselves away. And so then we're afraid if other people see us and they're going to think the same way that we think about us. And chances are that's never going to happen because people don't think of you like you think of you. If it's negative, I'm just saying. So That's just my tidbit, and that's not what I'm really going to talk about tonight. However, it kind of is. But maybe I could save some frustration for somebody else, and you could listen to my great experiences on falling on your face. Mm Um. Well, it's been a really fun journey um just listening to what is on God's heart during this season. It feels like the air is so pregnant that it's almost like I don't know, it can almost be mind-boggling sometimes whenever I just really sit back and think about, you know, the magnitude of what God is doing right now and just where his heart is pointing and just where in, in our own tribe, you know, just how he's speaking to everybody. And then I know just different things he's talking to me personally about. And um, I feel really, really, really excited. Like I feel, you know, I think that, I'm um, obviously I'm not the only one that it feels like we're just like at the edge of this cusp that it just is like, I don't, it just feels like it's, I don't know. It's something I can't put words to it, but I think y'all are, y'all know what I, what I'm talking about. And so there's this great excitement that I feel, but then it's also coupled with something else. And the coupled with something else, I think is um, it's a God thing, but it's a little bit. It is excitement, but it's also a kind of feeling. And the kind of feeling is is that I feel what we're asking from God for, the things that we're crying out for like the weight of it. And the honor of getting to experience him in ways that we've really been crying out for. You know, and so there's this thing where I feel like um it it feels like uh that there's these two there's these there's these two sides to this journey with him that I feel like that he's wanting us to be in. He's wanting us to be in this center road. And so whenever I'm thinking about just who he is as a father and who he is just as um, who he is to us personally, you know, he's he's our dad, he's our comforter, he's all these things, but I feel this uh, holy awe and reverence that um, he's looking for us to have. So there's there's this one there's this one place where this the center is where we want to be, okay? The center is right where we want to be. So in the center, it's this place of knowing who he is that he is god that he is all power that he is he is um to be revered that he he holds everything in his hands that that there is this all in wonder that i get the honor and privilege to be in his presence and so that makes me want to just go face down there's this holy reverence okay then there's this other place, all the while he's also my father. And so that's beautiful. Like I can also approach him as dad and like talk to him in that way. But but it has to be coupled with that reverence type thing. And so then we can come over here where um, it's all a place of being just really familiar with him. Almost like he's like shooty. Like, hey, shoot. You know, like, oh, you want me to do that today? Yeah, I don't want to do that today. Thanks, though. Catch me later. There's that. You may not use that same verbiage, but maybe the um, actions of your life say that. And so then there's this gutter on this side. And then over here on this gutter over here is the place of great fear and performance and legalism and just this place of, uh, you know, not connectable at all. You know, and so there's these two lanes that I really feel like we can kind of jump back and forth, but then there's this middle ground that I feel like is what he's putting a finger on. And, um, you know, I I was talking to Shitty in the green room, and um, you know, she had made the um, she had made the comment that you know it's so relational because you know. It is this thing where it's like one minute you could be, oh, daddy, but then the next minute it's on your face. Like you got to know where you are in the relational journey with him. Like I know personally, I know that, um, I know that he's someone for me to, to worship. Like, like I understand the weight of who he is. I mean, with what little understanding I have, okay. With, with the, I have this much and he's, you know, all that he is. But I feel like at least what he's told me, he hasn't told me anything different. But I feel like I have a good I have a good grasp of whenever he's speaking to me like that's not something that I get to choose. And I think for a really long time, I feel like we have taken the words that he's given us and we've kind of got to decide if we want to do it or not and i feel like that god is saying yeah no 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 i'm done with that part like i i'm done with i'm done with me needing to tell you whatever to not do that thing whatever it is whatever your thing is and so i feel like that whenever his conviction comes we can either we can either get afraid and we get in pity or we can take it and we, we can receive it and then we can adjust because of our love for Him. And because of our great adoration for Him, like I want to please Him. I, I want to please Him. I want to please Him above pleasing people, above pleasing myself. I want to please Him. And so at the end of the day, whenever he talks to me about something and he says, Sarah, I need you to let that go. I have to say, okay, I'm going to let that go because you're God and I am not. But I think that there's just been too many things that we have had in the debate field. And so actually what I wanted to talk about, I felt like um, before... I address some of the promises that I feel like we're stepping into. I wanted to um, bring some. uh, Well, let me say this. I don't want to just always say the promises of God and what God can do all the while not really owning what our responsibility is in the equation. And so I feel like that, um, you know, God is wanting to really give us great wisdom and great favor, but there's this thing that it's going to come from a great and holy fear of who he is. You know, I am so grateful that I can call him daddy. I, my dad, I've talked about it. I couldn't, he wasn't a dad to me. You know, he was... He was a sperm donor and he got me here, but that was it. He wasn't a daddy to me. And so just the fact that I can go to God and call him daddy is amazing. That is life-giving. It feeds me. I need it. But at the same time, like I can't be too familiar with that, that then that gives me certain rights that I don't have to have a certain responsibility. And I think in this good old U.S. of A., we've had too many choices, in our relationship with him. We've had just too many choices. You know, it's that thing where it's it's Burger King. Our relationship with him is Burger King. We can We can have it however we want and whatever day we want and we get to choose it. I love that Teresa taught about what worship is. Worship isn't what you feel like that day. Worship is you do what is the prescribed way. That's the way life with him is. And, you know, I know from just personally for me, you know, I I just, I'll start with me because that's always a great place to start. But I know that he's convicted me personally of things that um, he, you know, he was really gentle in a firm way. However, he can do that. He can do that gentle in a firm way, but basically letting me know that he was just done with this thing that I was doing. And so what did that make me want to do? That made me want to be done with it too. And I could feel, I could feel a thing about it that, you know, like I felt like, you know, like I've, I've had conviction in the same regard, but there was just something different. And I feel like there's something different about this time, that there's something, there's something different about needing to be done with what you need to be done with. You know, and and there's this thing called sloppy grace that is really disgusting because it actually keeps the church in slavery. And it keeps her from being bright and shiny. It keeps her from being a city on a hill. It keeps her stuck in her own slave to herself whenever really what we need is a big dose of you need to get yourself right and actually make yourself do the things that God is telling you to do. In Proverbs 1:7 it says how then does a man gain the essence of wisdom we cross the threshold of true knowledge when we live in obedient devotion to God stubborn know it alls will never stop to do this for they scorn true wisdom and knowledge Are you stubborn Are you a know-it-all? How quick, if somebody's trying to give you some truth, do you jump in and say, yeah, 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 I know. Yeah, I, I know that. No, 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 I, I know. How, How low are you able to get to really hear what God is trying to speak to you? Wisdom comes through that. If you are so um, in need of protecting what you look like, then you will never have the wisdom of God. Because you chose the fear of man over the wisdom of God. And so see God is wanting to give us wisdom. He wants He wants to give it to us. He wants to give us wisdom more than we even want wisdom. But it comes from a place of humility where I get down and I say, oh, God, like I, I am I have to have your words to me. And I don't even know. I don't know. There's that place. There's this other thing that these are the two roads or these are the two getters. You know, there could be this other thing. that's like, well, yeah, I just don't know. So you just tell me whenever you actually have been told things. You know what I mean? Y'all, y'all know who I'm talking about. I'm sure nobody in this room. You've talked to other people that have done this. But there's this place of true humility that's like, God, I don't I don't even I don't even know what to do. I just know that I need you. I just know that I have to have your wisdom for my life. I have to have you. I can't do this without you. And in that place of true humility and hunger, then he can pour out on you what you're really longing for. But You have to first really let go of any places of arrogance and pride so that you can truly receive the wisdom from above because he wants to give it to you. But that is the fear of God gives us what? Wisdom. The fear of God gives us wisdom. Not the fear of what somebody is going to see you think of you. Not the fear of, I'm going to look like a fool. Not the fear of, oh, am I going to go broke or whatever, fill in the blank. It's the fear of the Lord that brings wisdom. Why is that? Like, what? I mean, you know, like that, logically. Okay. I, I don't technically get it from a logical perspective, except it's humility. Mm-hmm. It's that place of great that it, it creates this need. It's like this vacuum for him that he can come and he can just be all that we need. But whenever we're stubborn and when we're arrogant and resistant, then we actually keep him like this from us. Did you know that you can actually make God do this with you? Did you know that? Did you know that your pride and arrogance actually makes God do that? I don't know about you, but this, that makes me want to just do whatever I can for him to come close, which is my need for him. If we're not careful, the more that we become unresponsive to his voice, he quits speaking. He quits speaking because he knows it's that protecting thing. He's protecting you because you're going to be held accountable and held accountable and held accountable. So then you start noticing, oh, okay, well, I may not feel guilty all the time but he's really there's a there's a hardness over your heart that begins to happen the more that you're unresponsive to him. And so it takes it takes pride to be laid down and it takes true humility to say God I need you to help me not be unresponsive to you. I don't want to sit in your presence. I don't want to have this great access to you. And then at the end of the day, I'm not a good steward, and then you actually keep me at hand's length away. To think of the beauty of what we have as the New Testament church, to think that what we have afforded to us as the New Testament believer, that we could ever become unresponsive to God is crazy. I mean, think of what the Old Testament peeps would be doing like they actually walked in a way of great fear and reverence for him, and they didn't even have him close like we have him. We, he's he is the breath in our lungs, like he is all in us, he's he is all around us, he's in us, he's through us, he's speaking to us. That should cause us to have a holy reverence for him. But if we're not careful. It makes us become too familiar, and then we lose the awe and the wonder of it all. And so, this beautiful thing that God is wanting to do in the church right now, on the world—not the church, it's the world—that He is, He's wanting to, He's wanting to do something so special. But I feel from His church that He needs her to have a awe and a reverence for his name. That it really, the containers in which he wants to pour out of, he wants it to be a thing that is full of humility and compassion and kindness and places that you're not going to be so filled with pride that you actually turn people off from him. And so how can you, how can you choose to get into that middle row with him and be like, God, because you have said and what you've done for me, I'm afforded this way to live with you. And so I will do whatever it takes to get there. I'll lay down any kind of pride or whatever it is. I'll get out of guilty crap. If that's where you're, if you're at that, you just feel guilty. And so you feel like a worm. That's pride. You know, what do you need to do to get in this middle lane to have an holy awe and reverence for him? I mean, maybe you need to know like what your sin cost him. That helped me. Whenever I began to see what my life actually was worth to him, what price he paid, that made me have reverence because I know that he didn't have to do it. You know, there's almost this danger that that I've seen that people that maybe haven't had like great, great sin, you know I'm talking about, that great, great sin, and they can tend to think that they're okay because they haven't done anything real bad. And so then they can almost not really appreciate the gift of grace in our lives. And then the people that really got all way far off, you know, they can be like, oh, God, I need you, you know. Well, we all need him just like that. You know, all of our good things we've done, all of our bad things we've done, it's all, it's nothing to him without his grace touching it. I've been thinking about, um, I read a lot today about Jesus's response to people. He is so great. He's amazing. I love, I love to hear how he handled situations. Like, don't you love how they ask him questions and then he'll he'll answer it with some random thing that like has nothing to do with their question, but has everything to do with their question? Um, you know, in the parable of the talents, that's a that's a really big one. And, you know, if y'all remember, but there was a rich guy that was gonna go on vacation he was gonna go hang out in Cancun and so he was needing somebody to take care of his stuff and so then he gave he gave one person I think it was 5,000 talents I think five stuff like that and then the next person he gave 2,000 and then he gave a thousand and then basically said okay I'll see you when I get back and then we'll see how you do well, if you remember, um, here, we'll just, I'll read you just a tiny little bit, starting at Matthew twenty-five, twenty-four. It says, then the one who had been entrusted with 1,000 gold coins came to his master and said, look, sir, I know that you are a hard man to please, and you're a shrewd and ruthless businessman who grows rich on the backs of others. I was afraid of you, so I went and hid your money, And buried it in the ground. But here it is. Take it. It's yours. Anchored by what he heard, the master said to him, You're an untrustworthy and lazy servant. If you knew I was a shrewd and ruthless businessman who always makes a profit, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? Then I would have received it all back with interest when I returned. But because you were unfaithful, I will take the 1000 gold coins and give them to the one who has 10,000 for the one who has, will be given more until he overflows with abundance and the one with hardly anything, even what little he has will be taken from him. Then the master said to his other servants, now throw that good for nothing servant far away from me into the outer darkness where there will be great misery and anguish. I bet you're wondering why I read that. Maybe. So, <clears throat> what do you have that God has given you? What what do you what do you personally have? That God has given to you, and He's trusted you with it. See, this isn't this isn't some good story. This is us. Do y'all know this is us? Do you know that's you? That that if you know that God has given you gifts and talents, but you're too afraid to use them, you um, are afraid you're going to be uh, criticized. You're afraid you're not going to be received. You're not going to, not going to, not going to. You hide them. We will stand before God with what we have. And he'll say, how did you do with your 5,000, 3,000, 2,000, however many thousands you have? See this game this game called life is for keeps. Our our choices that we're making right now they are setting you up for what it's going to be like for you in eternity. So every day that we make choices to not do what he's called us to do, to make excuses like it's not pleasing to him. It's not pleasing. And I want to be pleasing. Do you like that you know it pleases him and doesn't please him? I, I like that I know. This story tells me what he likes. He likes a good steward. He likes somebody that will believe what he says. And so then if you know what he likes, then you get the honor and the privilege to please him. Like you get to please God. God. You get to personally put a smile on his face. I mean, that makes me want to just, okay, how can I, hmm, I want to do anything I can. I want to be like a little puppy. Like I want to make him happy. See, I, I really, really am, I am concerned for the church that we have been given so much. But we really don't require very much out of us. If you're doing great, then this message isn't for you. If you're doing great in some areas, other areas not so much, great. Apply it where you can. But God has given us a lot and He's going to pour out His Spirit in a massive way. And how are we going to, how are we going to steward it? We're getting to practice right now. Right now is our practice ground right this very second as our practice ground. If we live our entire life for in the moment, then we are going to be really sad whenever we enter into the kingdom and we live for just the moments. And so God is giving us a great, great, great training ground right here, right now that you get to choose. You get to do it with the most tiniest of decisions that you make. The tiny little things you get to steward. Tiny things. What are the small things that you know he's calling you to steward? What are they? He has put things in your hand to steward and he's waiting to give you more. But he won't give you more until he sees that you're going to steward what he's given you. I was talking to Keisha about that the other day. Sent her a text. I said, well, it's just the same as our physical man and our spirit man. If you go to the gym and you're out of shape and you're trying to lift that three-pound dumbbell and your little arm shaking, well, hopefully, you know, after you keep doing this a little bit more often, well, then before you know it, that thing's going to be like, just throw it. It's not going to have any weight. And then you're going to be able to carry something heavier. But if we won't ever pick up the three-pound and start working out our muscle, well, then we're not going to get a 10 pound. We're not going to get something else. And if we're wanting great, 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 if we want to be carriers of his presence in a great way, how are we able to steward the things he's giving us right now? It's crazy because in the word, it talks over and over and over about being ready. Jesus talks about all the time, like you don't know when it's going to happen. It's going to happen though, and you're not going to know it hit you. You're not going. There's going to be there's going to be one person doing dishes. There's going to be one person taking a shower. It doesn't say this, but I'm saying it. There's going to be taking a shower, and all of a sudden they're gone, and they're not going to know it hit them. That's the, we're we're in that time, like we don't know. Like, this is such an awe time. Like, we don't even know it's going to happen, but there's this this reverence for the time. Do y'all feel the reverence for the time? I mean, I hope you feel it. There's this reverence for the time that, like, we don't even, we know that God is going to do something, but that makes me want to be ready for whatever he's going to do. I want to be ready. I don't want to be found on the outside going, oh, yeah, I could have done that, but I didn't want to. No, I want to be in the game doing what he's called me to do. I want to not be messing around. I don't want to be messing around with unbelief and disobedience. Like, we got to confront that stuff head on because that kind of stuff will keep you from the good stuff. Your unbelief and your just pride and all that will keep you from receiving the good stuff. Thank you, Sarah. In Luke 12, it says, but what if that servant, this is, um, no, not that one. Uh, Yeah, that's the right one. But it says, but what if the servant says in his heart, my master delays his coming and who knows when he will return because of the delay, the servant elevates himself and mistreats those in his master's household. Now, listen, you may not be able to find yourself in how cruel this is to this man, but you got to get the bigger, got to get the overall picture, okay? Can you do that? Okay, perfect. Mistreats those in his master's household. Instead of caring for the ones he was appointed to serve, he abuses the other servants, both men and women. He throws drunken parties for his friends and gives himself over to every pleasure. Let me tell you what will happen to him. His master will suddenly return at a time that shocks him. And he will remove the abusive, selfish servant from his position of trust. He will be severely punished and assigned a portion with the unbelievers. Every servant who knows full well what pleases his master, yet who does not make himself ready and refuses to put his master's will to action, will be punished with many blows. But the servant who does not know his master's will and wittingly does what is wrong will be punished less severely. For those who have received a great revelation from their master are required a greater obedience. And those who have been entrusted with great responsibility will be held more responsible to their master. you want to have more you want to be a manager of people do you want to be a pastor do you want to be a leader do you want to own a business you're going to have to really see that you're going to be your whole expectation of what god is speaking to you what he's requiring of you will only keep going up a notch and so if you're not ready to be responsible for hearts if you can barely make yourself ready to whatever, spend time with him, he wants to give you the kingdom, but the kingdom are people. And so we have to be responsible with people. I mean, it's it's a big deal to want to be... Um, It's a really big deal to keep crying out for more, but then not wanting to be obedient with what he gives us. And so we are like, we're all crying out for this massive move of God, but then we are going to be responsible for things. It's not the great, okay, the power of God is going to just take over and then I won't have any will and just whatever can happen. It's going to be all perfect. No, there's going to be responsibility on our parts. I, I wanted just to read um I he kept speaking words to me over and over again and I've personally just had it's been my relationship with him has just been different in the way that he speaks to me um I would say used to um whenever he would speak a word to me then it was kind of like once I released it then it would it would kind of it would just it would be gone. It was kind of released for me. And I've noticed he keeps speaking the same things over and over. And I mentioned that at the wealth, uh, wealth mindset class, but, um, he keeps speaking to me over and over about certain things. And so as I was praying about today, um, he was saying some things. So I was like, Oh wait, that's that word that you gave me for the wealth mindset class. But, um, I wanted just to read a few parts that I feel like he wanted um, to tie together for tonight too. Um, There's this one part that says the year of my church rising is at hand. She has seen in the night she's resolute and wanting to be found bright. So I will make her shine brightly for those who reflect my heart. I will give them favor, favor with man favor in business, favor with people's hearts, for those who reflect me will see my glory. So, in this um I haven't gotten to the I haven't gotten to the part I was going to get to yet, but um in Isaiah 60, that's where I'm going to be reading from, and in Isaiah 60, it talks about light. And here I might go ahead and go there. Um and Isaiah 60 it's um 61 through 5. It says, Rise up in splendor and be radiant, for your light has dawned, and Yahweh's glory now streams from you. So Isaiah 60, I believe that this is what God is saying for right now, that this is where we're entering into. That, um, it was really, it was fun because, um, he first is talking about light and then he starts talking about wealth and which, um, I completely 100% believe that God is going to be, um, delivering wealth into our hands. That, um, is not our wealth, but it's the world's wealth. But, um, in, I'm going to bounce around, so be patient with me, um, In the word that I gave um, at the Wealth Mindset class, it says, um, your agreement is huge. Your words are weighty. The way in which you partner with fear has consequences. Just as the way you partner with me has rewards, there has to be a difference in what you choose to do, how you choose to live, how you choose to speak, Otherwise, I would not be true to my word about sowing and reaping. You see, some mindsets relieve people from personal responsibility. They believe my goodness will shelter them from experiencing the negative fruit of their lives. Many times picking and choosing which scriptures to hold me to while having no personal responsibility to scriptures To hold themselves accountable to. So if God is saying that I am pouring my spirit out on all flesh, right? He's saying that, right? And if he's saying, Rise up in splendor and be radiant, for your light has dawned and Yahweh's glory now streams from you, that begins to put a a responsibility to me that I take the word at its word and I begin to put my actions and my belief towards it. So then I can't just say, okay, God, like I need you to make me more radiant. I need you to do something more in me whenever God has already spoken so much about what he has already spoken to you. So how can you be more Obedient to what he's already spoken to you. How how can you personally take more responsibility for what he's already said. And take hold of that thing. And be completely relentless in choosing to believe him at all cost. Yahweh's glory is shining on you. Yahweh's glory is shining on you. It's not It's not about to. Yahweh's glory is shining on you. Do you all know that Yahweh's glory is shining on you? Do you know that? Do you believe that? Yeah. Do you believe it? Okay, perfect. Um, <clears throat> that doesn't mean that it's going to happen later. He's saying that right now that it's streaming from you. So Jesus chose us to make us his home. This means that we're the light to the world. Say, I'm the light to the world. Me, little old me, it's me. I'm Jesus with skin on. You're the city on a hill. You are a city on a hill. In verse 2, it says, look carefully. Darkness blankets the earth and thick gloom covers the nations. But Yahweh arises upon you and the brightness of his glory appears over you. Nations will be attracted to your radiant light and kings to the sunrise glory of your new day. Nations, people attracted to your light. Are you light? When you go somewhere, say you're going in to work, okay? It's Monday morning, had a late night on Sunday, you're real tired not really feeling it, you go into church, you go into, I said church, you go in, it's kind of like church, you go into work, what does your light look like? What does your light look like? What does your light look like if it's a cold 10 o'clock at night and somebody's struggling and they're needing your help? What does your light look like? Are you easily inconvenienced? See, what causes your light to lose its shiny? What causes your light to be more shiny? I would propose that the more that we focus on us, the less our light is so shiny. The more that you turn outwards and you look at people and you look at God on people and you are so filled with love for what God is doing over them and how much he cares for them, your light gets brighter. Yeah. And then before you know it, people like to be around you. If you're the grumpy old person, no, nah, probably not going to be a lot of people trying to get your wisdom. Because they can go get that wherever. How do you get to be more shiny? How do you get to be a light that other people are drawn to? Lift up your eyes higher. Look all around you. Believe. For your sons are returning from far away. And your daughters are being tenderly carried home. Watch as they all gather together eager to come back to you. Yes, Daddy. Thank you, thank you, thank you. They're coming home. We just thank you, Daddy. We just thank you for the prodigals. I just give you honor right now that you have protected the prodigals and that you have watched over them, that you have been wooing them. And so, Daddy, we just thank you for the prodigals that are going to come home and they are going to have a story how you put a ring and a robe on them and you adorn them with your beauty and so, Daddy, we just say thank you. We just prepare our hearts to receive them. We prepare our hearts to walk in forgiveness. We prepare our hearts to receive them and all that they are. So we just thank you, Daddy. I thank you for that. I thank you that you are calling them home and they will be eagerly received. In Jesus' name. In um, verse 5, it says, Then you will understand and be radiant. Your heart will be thrilled and swell with joy. The fullness of the sea will flow to you and the wealth of the nations will be transferred to you. Um, yes, wow. The word that he gave me, um, I just wanted to read it really quick. This little snippet, it says, I'm doing a new thing and I will transfer to you what is someone else's. Though there may be turmoil for some, I'm looking for you to be a city on a hill. The church is entering into a time of wealth transference. There are two messages going out. There is the one of the world with their worldly ways of seeing. But for my people, it will be a time of receiving what others worked for. There may be a time where the global financial market Take some hits, but for my people, listen and watch closely. Don't fall into the fear others are in and use your agreement with it. This will cause you to receive the same crop. It won't be a good harvest, but instead, look to me. Your agreement is huge, your words are weighty. The way in which you partner with fear has consequences. Just as the way you partner with me has rewards, there has to be a difference in what you choose to do, how you choose to live, how you choose to speak. Otherwise, I would not be true to my word about sowing and reaping. So, there's going to be a transfer of wealth to you. It's happening, it's coming. And so how are you going to position yourself to use it? How are you going to position your heart? What are you going to do with it? Be looking for ways that God is going to give you things that you don't work for. He wants to bless you. He wants to be good to you. He he is, I just feel this giddiness that he is wanting to be good to us. It is his good pleasure to be good to us. So begin to just get your eyes out. And just thank him for what he's going to do because he's going to do it. Yes. Um. Let's see. Um. Um. In Isaiah sixty, uh, verse seven, it talks about. Um. I'm going to now listen. I don't know what these are because this doesn't mean anything to us, but it meant something to them. So all the flocks of Kedar, okay, all the flocks of Kedar will be gathered to you. So we're going to get all of our flocks, and the rams of that place over there will be yours as acceptable sacrifices on my altar, and I will adorn with more glory my glorious temple. Who's the temple? Yeah. We are. So in John seventeen twenty-two it says, "For the very glory you have given to me, I have given them." so they will be joined together as one and experience the same unity that we enjoy. Listen to this. Um, I love this uh, foot, uh, footnote. I was going to say footprint. I guess it kind of is a footprint, but it, it is important to note that the key to unity among believers is experiencing the glory of God that Jesus has imparted to us. As one with God through faith in Christ, he shares his glory with us. Since we are not another, but have made one with the triune God through the blood of Jesus. I love that. I love that the unity, that the unity between all of us is the glory that Jesus has given to all of us. That's what unifies us. I love that. That is beautiful. So once again, Jesus did it all. He did it all. Um. See, it's getting late. Um, there's so much. There's so much more, but um, I think um, just to close it out, I think um, you know God is really um, wanting to give us another level of glory. You know, I love that um, that He's given us His glory. That He chose to share His glory with us. But God is doing something new, and it's something exciting. And so how can you personally begin to steward your life in a way that, um, that um, represents Him well? You know, it's this thing that we can't earn something from God, but we can position ourselves to... Um, Think like him, act like him, be like him, and that helps for us to perceive like him. That that is the way in which you can begin to partner with him. As you can see, okay, God, what are areas in me that I need to adjust for Your glory? What doesn't what doesn't go with Your glory? What kind of thinking doesn't go with Your glory? What kind of mindsets doesn't go with Your glory? So if he's saying I'm wanting to do something new and these are the signposts I'm doing it, how can you partner with him? So I love that um I love that he gives us eyes to see what's coming so that we can prepare ourselves accordingly. And so I just feel like that you know if if you know that for you personally that You don't maybe, if we go back to the very first part where I was talking about having a holy reverence and just an awe for him, and you know, those two lanes that I talked about, either maybe in fear of him or just really kind of loose in your approach with him, you know, begin to ask him how you can step into a new place of really having him in his rightful place in your life and how to really honor him as God in your life instead of being loose with him or and if you're maybe scared of him how can you see him as a loving father while also having a standard of holiness you know it's just a really good place so that you personally can prepare to have the more of him like i know we can't work for him we can't work to get things from him but i can promise this he does honor our hunger level And we show our hunger level by what we're willing to put our time to, our energy to, our attention to. Like we, we can, we can develop a hunger and a sensitivity to Him that He's drawn to. You get, you get to do that with Him. And so let me just pray for us. So, Holy Spirit, I'm just so grateful for what you're doing on the earth. And I'm so grateful that. Uh, we get to live in this time. and I was always taught to be afraid of this time and I'm so grateful that you have actually made it to be so exciting. It was nothing like I was taught, daddy. And so I just pray over each heart and I just pray that wherever it was and there in this um, in tonight, wherever it was that you were touching for them, I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come in power to help shift, change, rearrange whatever it is that needs to be done, Holy Spirit. And I thank you for what you're going to do. I thank you for your words that you've spoken, what you're doing. And so, Daddy, we just say that we are prepared and we are ready for you. So we just give you entrance into every place in our lives. There is nothing off limits to you. There is nothing you can't have. It all belongs to you, Daddy. So thank you. Thank you that you chose to come and be a human so that you could come and understand our weaknesses so that you could come and that you could um, be tenderly compassionate while also being empowering to know that we can handle everything because your spirit is in us. So we are not victims, but we are victors. And so we love you and we thank you for all that you are and for all that you've put in each one of us. In Jesus' name.